This is Uptown Films, a podcast made to elevate the cinema culture in Uptown New York. If you're looking to establish yourself in the industry, we've got stories, tips, and life lessons for filmmakers working above 125th Street. I'm Gregory Hernandez. And I'm Sophie Yu, and today we're chatting with Everett Hamlet, the founder and CEO of Stylish F Productions. Everett is a filmmaker from the Bronx. After getting a bachelor's in journalism from SUNY Albany, Everett went to work at BronxNet as a videographer and editor. He's also an entrepreneur. Just two years later, he opened his own production company and began work on his first feature, 75 Park, E Pluribus Unum, a documentary about his neighborhood park. Alongside his continued work for Stylish F Productions, Everett raises awareness about racial inequities in NYC parks. This week, listen in for me screaming in panic as an ad rudely interrupts my learning on YouTube. Welcome to Uptown New York. And the soap, Sophie. <laughs> How you doing today, Sophie? I'm, I'm doing poorly. I just fell. I broke your chair and I split my pants. I ripped my pants and now I'm wearing your sweatpants. <laughs> God, that's like such a great, like, it's such a great poem. And it's also like a lovely, <laughs> it, it's a lovely um, rendition of like the SpongeBob SquarePants. Because like, I ripped my pants. <laughs> You're yeah. like, I'm not doing well. I fell out the chair, I ripped my pants, and I'm wearing your sweatpants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if George is listening, when she goes home, we didn't do anything. Yeah. She, she fell out the chair. Fell, it's a I real, real thing. It's, it's a chair that may not be in use anymore. <laughs> it's funny, when you fell down, she thought, you, you, you thought I was going to be... Um, like upset or something like oh i broke your chair where i was like are you okay but i'm like because i want to laugh now um <laughs> uh, yeah i i, I want to say for our listeners you know at the time of this recording it's august 12th uh we're debuting this next month but bryant park's last uh movie night takes place on monday the 15th august 15th and they're showing one of my favorite movies, the greatest sequel of all time, Godfather Part Two. Mm. So I'm gonna try and go, maybe bring a date, or just go with some friends. You have a date? So I'm gonna try and bring a date. Yeah. Or go with some friends and watch my one of my favorite movies. Nice. Uh, yeah, it came out 48 years ago, and mm-hmm. rest in peace, James Can. Uh, so that's just fun things to be aware of with your community. Everett said something nice in the interview about being in touch with your community, pay, paying attention to their newsletters where they showcase or, and highlight community events that you can go to. And I think being in, tapped, in, in touch with your community, tapping into that, and just looking out for like fun things to do, film-related-wise or just networking or community-wise, it's so important. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I love email newsletters. It's like my favorite thing. Honestly, if I could have a job where I just do newsletters, that would be so fun. Don't you think? I love newsletters. I sign up for all of them. I also, I get so many emails every day, but I'm so good at organizing them. So I make folders on Gmail and then I put everything, I, I look at everything and then I like mark it as red or whatever and I throw away stuff that's like spam, but then everything else I put into a folder. So I have all my emails, especially for like any work email that I have, I never throw anything away because I'm like, this is work stuff. So I'm just keeping it in a folder, you know? 
the, the smile you have as you talk about this, I think I've never seen it before. Because it's like pride and joy. Yeah. You know, like, I love this, and I'm very great at organizing. I'm the best at this. And if I could just do newsletters, I'd be like, because then I'd organize that too. <laughs> it's like a child. Not even the chagrin. It's just like, mm, yeah. <laughs> it's like that smile. Like, why see, like, I'm from Florida. <laughs> I am so, so good at emails. Well, anyways. So I'm, Everett went to Melbourne, which yeah, is where you're from. My hometown. And uh, the only other person I know who has been to Melbourne is my boss at the nonprofit that I work at. You know, if, if I said Melbourne, they probably wouldn't know where that is, but they might know Cape Canaveral, which is close to Melbourne. What was that donkey place you mentioned? You mentioned a cocoa place. What was the donkey place? Yes, there's a an ice cream shop in Cocoa Beach called the Fat Donkey, which somebody came up to me there and was like trying to get me to come back to their hotel room and like gave me his key to the hotel room. It was crazy. And I was like, you know, 16 or something. <laughs> Cocoa Beach is weird. Cocoa Beach is like full of, of crazy people, but it's so fun, you know? <laughs> So, like, our listeners can't see Sophie's face as she's going through this. Her eyes light up like it's such a crazy place. But then her eyes kind of, like, light up even more. And she says, but it's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I like the danger. It's great. It was great. You know, I was being nice. I think I gave him, like, a peppermint or something back. Like, he gave me his hotel key. And I was like, here, you want this peppermint? <laughs> Come on. Let's do something that'll land me in prison. Yeah. And land you in council. (laughs) But yeah, so the Fat Donkey, if you're in Florida, if you ever go to Florida, go visit, go to Cocoa Beach, go to Ron John's, go surfing, whatever. But the Fat Donkey, they have great ice cream and they make these like ice cream sandwiches that are waffles instead of like cookies or anything. So it's like waffle, ice cream, waffle. Oh, you just made the sound effect of eating and just like mount, mounting or like munching down on that or crunching whatever you want to say that sounds delicious yeah and also right? like a lot of uh, it's stuff like you should only eat every once in a blue moon yes absolutely other than that it's like uh, <laughs> I have a funny story yeah a local story I'm walking with my mother yesterday we live in the we live in the same building so every now and then we'll go out for walks together because like you know we work from home so get out of the house right so we're walking uh and we walk past the bronx county courthouse and who do we see we see the bronx borough president vanessa gibson <gasps> oh my god she's, she's getting out of her vehicle and and she's getting her bags and i point to her and i told my mother hey look that's vanessa gibson the bp and my mother went out skipping a beat goes right up to her and says hello <laughs> <laughs> and she and vanessa looks out like yes <laughs> He's like, hi, remember me? <laughs> uh, do you know who I am? And she's like, and Melissa says, I meet a lot of people. Yeah. And she's like, do you know my son, Gregory? <laughs> and she's about to say he, she, he's made a documentary, but I'm like, I, I'd rather you not tell her this way. <laughs> and the reason why like, I, I'm mentioning this is so funny is because that is like the highest level of support mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when like your parent, like your parent, if you have a good relationship with your parents mm-hmm. or like a parent or a guardian, they will like do anything to help 
you achieve your dreams. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, that's somebody you've been trying to get in contact with. They're right there. Let me go speak to them. Me, I was like, oh, we'll just keep walking by because I'm like, I'm not going to bother somebody as they're getting out of a car. Like, that's, I don't think that's the most productive way. You know, I'm already talking to her, you know, director of communications. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, sp- I've spoken to somebody in the documentary who knows her deputy director. Mm-hmm. I've already had meetings with other elected officials and, and the New York Public Library and the, and the, and the president of the elementary, NYC Elementary uh, Schools Principals Association and speaking to somebody from the DOE. So I'm like, all right, I'm making progress slowly but surely. There's no no reason to rush. Mm-hmm. But you don't tell your parent that. No. Because they're like, hey. Because my mom's like, you know, all this, all this shit that's going around in the Bronx, all the mm-hmm. crime, all the stuff, and you're making something wonderful, and these motherfuckers don't even care. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. or they're not paying enough mind or like whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just telling my mom, like, it's so funny. After like Vanessa just looked at me, I'm like sweaty and I have this beard on. <laughs> I'm in a shirt and shorts. I'm like, this is not how I want to meet this person. Yeah. <laughs> so I just kind of waved and I like pulled my mother and I'm like, right, let's keep going. <laughs> it's so funny. And she's like, what? You know, well, that was the time you, we were just talking about it and look who popped up. Mm. And I'm like, you're making a very compelling case, but. I'd rather just not have it be done that way. But it was just so funny to see, like, my mom, like, all right, I'm going to go. Yeah. But I, like, like, <laughs> I'm going to support my baby, my only child. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, it was just so funny. You got to love moms. Was, moms uh, are the best. Oh, my God, they really are. She's just mm-hmm. amazing. She wouldn't stop telling me afterwards, like, well, you know, the moment presented itself. <laughs> I was like, you could have kept walking. I could have just been like, well, let me tell you about my son. <laughs> and I was like, well, the next time that happens, I'll guess I'll, I'll let you off the leash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it just didn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, funny though. Well, I feel like it is also, um, you know, you sort of tore the last borough president, a new one in your documentary. <laughs> so, uh, I could see how she would be like a little scared of you. Although I, I'm sure she's right that she just didn't know who you were, but once she does, she should be scared. Yeah. Tor Ruben Diaz, a new one, I guess. Although just, he said it all in the documentary. No, I know, yeah. Uh, it's not like I was like, hey, what do you... He also had the questions ahead of time, so... Mm. Yeah. Anyway. But just even... um, I was talking about when he's in the Barnes & Noble, and he's like, this Barnes & Noble will never <laughs> shut down. <laughs> and then you immediately cut to it shutting down. <laughs> <laughs> I love your evil laugh. <laughs> so much for joining us yes thank you for having me i was pretty excited when i heard that you wanted a platform for other bronx creative bronx filmmakers not only in this borough but in harlem and all of our cousin boroughs so it, this is dope thank you so much and i love how you put that cousin mm-hmm. borough yeah we're, we're gonna steal that <laughs> that's uh, great so we like to start off every interview with like kind of like a deep question sometimes it can be considered a soft question but i think we like to call it a deep question uh, so what is your favorite location in the Bronx to film in? That's a great question. There are many locations that I frequent and I would have to say my favorite is the Longwood section because that's the section of the Bronx that I grew up in. It's a section of the Bronx I filmed a documentary in. I had the privilege of filming in a lot of the parks in that neighborhood and I just know so many people there. So weirdly enough like i can film anywhere in the bronx and if there's a camera out people will approach me and be like 
hey, like, what you filming? And it's all positive vibes. Mm-hmm. But when I'm filming in Logwood, they're like, oh, that's Everett with his camera. Like, let him be. Like, <laughs> you know, they'll give me a thumbs up or something, but they won't interrupt whatever I'm doing. And I kind of like that. Like, that's hard to find uh, when you're filming in a, a city area. Uh, so could you tell us in your own words, uh, what does it mean to be a filmmaker from the Bronx? In my own words, what it means to be a filmmaker in the Bronx is a lot of pride and you have a lot of creativity and there's this undiscussed weight on your shoulders because a lot, the Bronx is a reason for a lot of what is happening culturally in the world. So we carry that weight. And whenever you pick up a camera, mm-hmm. you pick up a mic, you pick up a pen, you pick up a paintbrush, you carry the weight of everyone before you being trailblazers, creating things that didn't exist before. And you kind of just want to be on that level. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have your own production company. In addition to being a filmmaker, you're a business owner, the CEO of your own production company. Would you like to tell us more about it? Also, what's the name? If you want to say the name, which we like the name. <laughs> the name is Stylish F Productions, and my middle name is Stylish. Growing up, my friends called me Stylish F. So once I started filming since high school, they're like, yo, it's a Stylish F Productions. And I'm just like, cool, it's stuck. Mm. I started this business because I graduated with a journalism degree and my senior year of college found out that i can use my camera to make money who figured Mm -hmm. and i'm scrambling (laughs) trying to get as much experience as i can in my last semester but all i walked away was a little bit not a little bit of knowledge of like final cut a little bit of knowledge of premiere and basic knowledge of a canon rebel t5i so yeah yeah i'm like how do i how do i involve myself in this community in this industry so i came back to the bronx saw that there were two options for me given my background news 12 or bronxnet applied to both news 12 humbly turned me down (laughs) and then bronxnet when I came into it, I told them my credentials. I told them what I what I wanted to do, and they said, "Hey, we have this summer program where, in two to three months, we can equip you with the skills you need to get to where you need to be." Mm-hmm. It is unpaid. They said most people that take this program is in college or in high school. So I'm like, "All right." I go home. I tell my mom. She's like, "Look." You have to walk there. <laughs> She's like, you know, financially, I didn't come from the best of place. Like, we had good things, but people underestimate how much it costs to go to and from places in New York City. So most of the time, I was hopping the train on Tunnel One or hopping the bus. But I got there every day, packed me a sandwich, and I worked. I worked my butt off. I don't know if I can curse. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I worked my ass off. So. After the three months, I, me and one other person got offered a job there. I started mm-hmm. off part-time, and that's when I started to have those conversations of what I wanted to do and what I was currently doing. And in the mix of these conversations, the word LLC popped up. The word, you know, uh, making sure you have certain insurances on your gear, making sure you have certain insurances on yourself and protect yourself in this industry, things that I didn't even realize I had to do. So that's when ideas started to formulate of me being an entrepreneur in this craft don't get me wrong i've been an entrepreneur my whole life i used to sell pokemon cards i used to yeah. shovel, <laughs> shovel snow for money i used to sell video games but 
this was kind of forming the two things I loved into one, and there was no turning back once I started this business. That's dope. Uh, we talked about this pre-interview. Traveling within the Bronx is extremely difficult, like east to west. Like I think going from Parkchester to Riverdale can take you an hour, can take you longer going to Brooklyn than going yes. east to west in the Bronx. So the fact that you, how long was that? Unpaid, it was like a summer program, or how, how long was that program for Bronx? So it started roughly, it's your typical summer semester if you took a CUNY class. Mm. So, yeah, I guess it starts end of July, maybe, or first week of July and ends like around August. And I had to travel from Longwood all the way to Kingsbridge, basically. And bus wise, that's taking the 19 to the 9, train wise, that's taking the 2 or 5 to the 4. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just do that every day. Every day, yeah. They had classes twice a week for me. However, we did have homework. And at the time, I did not have any editing software as a computer. So I had to do all my homework there. Mm-hmm. And I had to use all the equipment there. So yeah, I was there multiple days a week. But it was worth it. Because the tools and information that I've obtained from that and the people I met, hands down, priceless. I would do it again if I was put in that same position. Just one more on that. Uh, could you maybe touch on and elaborate on the difference between working for BronxNet, working for a company or someone else versus then going into business for you? Liberation comes to mind. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the best word. <laughs> yeah. It depends on the company. I did love working with BronxNet because their vision aligns with a lot of the, the foundation of my business, but also the people I met. And being an entrepreneur, you still get to meet people, don't get me wrong. But it's like you're you're always in control in your own business. And as you always welcome creative ideas, you still want to stick to your vision. Mm-hmm. Now, working with other businesses, it's it's so many ideas, so many visions coming to one. And those conversations could spark new ideas that you guys could take outside of work. So I do like that when it comes to working for other people. And... But when it comes to the building aspect of it, I, that's something I really can't get behind because everything I do within my business, I know it's to make my business grow. And it's long term, I'm, I'm putting my brand out there. I'm, I'm impacting people the way I want to impact them. But when I work for other companies, like I'm, I'm feeding into their goal. The time I'm putting in is going to their business. And that's not time or effort I'm ever going to get back unless I look at it like, okay, I'm sharpening my tools. I'm building myself in order to put that effort into my business, but I can also do that within my business too. So yeah, yeah it, it, it's a loaded question. I can talk on and on for it. I say, if you have the mental capacity to run your own business, the willpower to do it, do it. But entrepreneurship is not for everybody. So I do have to ask if you just figured out that you could make money with a camera your senior year, of undergrad, why did you go into journalism? I found that out because I'll, I'll rewind and I'm going to answer your question. I had a camera in my hand my whole life. Like my dad filmed everything, birthday parties, barbecues, and we always had like photograph cameras. So I did all that stuff for fun. And I would even, I was on like senior yearbook. Even in college, I was like yearbook committee. I just loved telling stories like my niche in life is telling stories so i never put two and two together because at the time when you thought of moody movies and i graduated from high school in 2011 graduated from college 2015 2016 
when you thought of movies you always thought of big productions like i needed a lot of money in order to create these these films that people see on the screen like this is when youtube was was starting to come around and people realize that oh i can actually create something myself so i never put two and two together because i'm from the bronx i don't have film class at third period mm -hmm. i don't have economics class at seventh period i didn't know business 101 i didn't know any of that my niche is storytelling so i went to college for english and journalism like that's what i studied and being in different creative spaces in college is what sparked that light under me to say okay like this is something i can actually do mm. and one thing led to another amazing awesome, <laughs> awesome <yeah>. i'm so glad <laughs> me too yeah um i also you mentioned that you uh did english in college this is so funny to me because both you and greg did english in college and you know, own your own film production companies. So I've talked to Greg a little bit about this and obviously Greg's documentary is about literature, but like, how do you think that literature functions in your film life? It plays a big part because, and this is why I'm thankful of my journalism background. Literature opens your mind in such a creative way outside of what you're visually seeing. Like it, it taps into that part of your imagination that people always say you can travel while reading a book. And that's true. Film is more than just putting your camera up and hitting record. Mm -hmm. It's everything before that, that you doing that record is probably like the halfway point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so everything before that, I feel like really coincides with literature, like the planning of the story, the writing down the storyboarding, the production, getting the right crew together. Like that's, imagination you have to think something into existence before you actually hit record and then after record is all the technical stuff well there's a little technical stuff before but yeah and i think they play hand in hand because of that like you're really using your mind in a way and you're playing 3d chess with yourself and then always <laughs> always trying to plan ahead yeah yeah that's great um so question now jumping back to bronxnet and uh your work both with journalism and with your own production company. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what Stylish Ev usually produces? Mm -hmm. When I first got into filming, not only like for money, but actually like for my brand, a lot of the reasons why I picked up a camera resonated with that. So I just started filming in order to share the stories of like my friends. and. I loved being around them. I loved the walks of life that they were in. So I love filming our gatherings. I love like going outside and doing skits and seeing their emotions and personalities through a lens. So I kind of took that and applied that to the small business sector in the Bronx. Like I loved the personalities of each small business here in the Bronx. And most of them is not even on Google My Business. Like most of them don't even have any kind of decent photos of their shop or any videos of them explaining what their business does. So I wanted to be that person for them the same way I was for my friends and say, hey, you do matter. And let's put that out there so other people can see how much you matter too. So switching gears, uh, we also have another thing in common that Sophie touched on. We both have, we both have made documentaries. And can you tell us about, I believe, 75 Park? Yes. <laughs> 75 Park is a documentary that 
is a profile piece for Lion Square Playground. So it's the park right across the street from the elementary school I went to. In my neighborhood, there are one, two, three, four, five parks within a like a pretty short walking distance. And in order to tell the difference between the parks, uh, we call 75 Park 75 Park because it was right across the street from public school 75. And that park is right near the Bruckner Expressway and Sheridan, like the Cross Bronx is kind of where they intersect. I went away for college. I came back that summer. I played basketball. And then before I knew it, the whole park was closed down and being completely renovated. On the outside looking in, you would think, hey, like, this is a great park. Like, I see areas in which it needs to be improved. However, with a journalistic lens, you're kind of like, this park hasn't had even a paint job in the past 20 years. Like, why is it just altogether being revamped? So I pulled out my camera and I just started to document the park being reconstructed. I started asking questions in the community. I was able to interview council members. Uh, the parks department, everyone under the sun who related to that park and kind of unfold the history of the park and the impact it's had on the community, as well as the the part it played in like Robert Moses's plan. So yeah, it, it's it's deep. It starts off very simple, but then it expands in many ways. We talk about health, we talk about the legacy of the parks department, and then we talk about systematic racism. And what has been the reception? I know you've had screenings, uh, particularly at the Boogie Down Grind. Uh, I believe just doing some research, uh, you're in the festival circuit now. Is that correct? Yes. So we have submitted for grants. We're not in the festival circuit mm-hmm. as of yet. And the reason because a lot of what Biden is doing now with trying to give access in low-income neighborhoods with the highway system and kind of just remapping a lot of the blueprints that Robert Moses laid down kind of relates to our film. So we're figuring out right now ways in order to tie it in to a very to-the-date aspect. And that's the thing with documentaries. You can kind of roll that thing out as long as you can if it relates. (laughs) And uh, we are kind of in the process of making those final tweaks at the end, those final interviews to where we can say, okay, this is festival ready. However, there are aspects in which we want to expand the piece. And yeah, that's kind of where we're at. We, we've had rough cut screenings. We piece together visually everything that we want. We just have to do some music stuff, like hire uh, the rights for a few songs. And once we're done with that and bring on an editor to put the final touches on it, then we will be festival ready. And distribution wise, we're still mapping that out too, but I'm Mm. excited. I'm excited to see where this journey will take us. Hell yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk about now 75 Park, your documentary, 1.5 million, my documentary, La Madrina, another documentary, Decade of Fire. So we've have now these documentaries, these feature films that have been made in the last four years here in the Bronx. What are your thoughts on the cinema culture here in the Bronx? Do you believe like it's we're in, un, undergoing a renaissance? Things are getting more just overall. What are your thoughts now on the cinema culture in the Bronx? I like that you said renaissance because that's a feeling that I've had not only about Bronx culture, but the media as well. And we can table that and come back to that. Yes, the Bronx has taken such a great turn. And you have the documentaries that you've named. You have creatives that are now using social media 
as an outlet to share their work more than ever. You have outlets like Bronx Film 48 that are bringing us all together. And then a lot of people do oftentimes forget the uh, Bronx social event that happened. I think it was 2017 or 18 right here at the Bronx Museum, constantly trying to bring us together. And now more than ever, we are expressing ourselves through a lens because it's more accessible. People could get those decent cinema ready cameras at a good price you could rent that equipment and it's like i said earlier it's not all about having a big production now it's just having the right budget the the willpower to do it and a vision and it is getting done and you're seeing more people make that happen so i'm glad that this is happening and i'm really excited to see what the future holds for all of the artists that you were kind of hinting at as well as the organizations that are coming together and and seeing this opportunity and saying, hey, let's get the community behind this and let's all grow together. Yes. Great. Yeah, me too. Um, I love that you said, you know, that anybody who wants to make a documentary has to really have their heart in it. Um, And I think that's so true, not only for the actual filmmaking aspect, but just the uh, subject matter of the documentary. And I think it's clear that you do because you've done other things and aside from screenings, aside from uh, actual filming of the documentary to help with New York City Parks and to talk about New York City Parks. Can you talk a little bit about that work and just like social impact documentaries in general? So when I first started my documentary, I, again, fresh out of college, working with BronxNet, full-on journalist mode. I also was doing a internship with Leave It Better Media and under Grand Merriweather. So his first documentary called American Meat, he kind of talked about where America gets his meat from. And this documentary blew up on Netflix. He became really like nationally known because of it. And then he made a follow-up documentary called Farmers from America, where he talks about how more than 70% of the farmers were in a certain age group. And within the next 10 years, those farmers would possibly die, which would heavily decrease the amount of agriculture that's running here in America. So I was able to work with him while he was wrapping up that documentary. Mm -hmm. And me looking at the world in a very different perspective, because a lot of people aren't really concerned with the environment and green spaces when you live in New York City, because all you see is buildings. Like, it's really hard to find grass or trees here in the city if you're not going to, like, Central Park or one of these Riverside Parks. Like, so I started to perceive parks in general very differently working with Graham. So then the part, the the situation with my park happened, that kind of lit a spark in me to want to preserve our green spaces. And then, boom, (laughs) like, I started to understand so many different nonprofit organizations that stand behind that. I started to reach out with them, have more conversations that's kind of what helped my business blow up so quickly because I was able, they hired me to do pieces for them as well, photograph events. So a lot was happening with me that related to parks and, and doing what's right for green spaces in New York City. So, yeah, I feel like if you're doing something and your heart is all in it, opportunity will come your way. Just be genuine about it and truly care about the things you're working on. And you, there's no doubt in my mind there's a community out there for you that is going to help you and then you will also be able to help them. That's so great. Okay. I have some rapid fire questions <laughs> just about filmmaking in general. Um, 
And so it'll be like a one or the other kind of thing. So let's do it. Just choose one right off the top of your head. (laughs) 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 Okay. Handheld versus stabilizer or tripod. Stabilizer. Zoom versus prime. Zoom. Natural light versus artificial light. DSL versus cinema camera. <laughs> this is the best one for life. I use DSLs more, but I love cinema cameras. So, oh, oh, damn, this is so torn. Uh, don't hate me. DSLs. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to add two more uh, TV or film? Film. And drama or comedy? Drama. Cool. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Awesome. So, we have two questions. Well, Thank you so much for being here. This was amazing. Thank you for having me. Um, We have two questions that we ask every guest at the end. So the first is, what do you wish someone had said to you when you just started out out in filmmaking? I wish someone would have said to me when I first started off with filmmaking, which is at a very young age, is that the sky is the limit. Like You can turn this into something bigger than just a hobby. And I didn't realize that until I was in my 20s, my early 20s. So that's something I wish someone would have come up to me and said. And the last question is, what's next for you? Do you have anything to plug? What's next for me is moving my business more into the marketing department. I'm noticing how a lot of what I do with small businesses I work with, I don't just go up to them and film a video for them or do some photos for them. I love to educate them. I love to say, hey, like these are the things you need to do on a consistent basis, whether you bring in a little nephew or a little niece or (laughs) anyone that can help you do this in order to advance your stores or increase your store's digital footprint. Mm -hmm. Now I'm realizing that as we advance in technology, more of these store owners are getting comfortable to film and photograph their stores, which is great. I want to move in a direction where I can give them now the tools to market themselves better. And I feel like they would expand their reach a whole lot more if they just understood the basics of SEO, understood the basics of what an organic reach is, and kind of break that down to a level where most small business owners could understand and profit off of. So that's kind of the next step for me. I'm leaving. I want to partner up more with other organizations that are on the video production side and do that less myself and now offer a marketing uh, resource to small businesses, not only here in the Bronx, but also expanding throughout New York City. Awesome. And anything you want to plug for the listeners? I would say (laughs) now that things are opening back up, I would say tap back into your community. Sign up Mm. for those newsletters. Like, I love... All of the newsletters that I get about the creative events that are happening here in the Bronx. Follow Bronx Film 48 because they're always putting out resources, not only about their organization, but other organizations as well. Go to networking events, meet people because you never know how your strengths could also match someone else's weaknesses and their strengths could also match your weaknesses and you guys could develop a great partnership. There's enough opportunity to go around for everyone. You have to get out of the mindset to think that, oh, I got to eat, 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 eat. Mm -hmm. You can't think like that. There's enough out here for everyone. So try to expand, partner with the right people and grow your business and scale your business. And the plug in order to do that is network and expand your network and understand what's going on constantly. 
Like I walked in, I was asked if I was going to a screening. I didn't know. So I got to take my own advice and kind of <laughs> <laughs> expand a little bit more. But yeah, that's my plug for everybody. Keep growing. Awesome. awesome. And where can we find you like on social media? Where can our, when our, where can our listeners find you? Just at Everett Hamlet, uh, E-V-E-R-E-T-T-E-H-A-M-L-E-T-T-E. And then you can go down that digital rabbit hole. Everything mm-hmm. you need will be right there waiting for you. <laughs> awesome. Right. Thank you so thank much, you. Everett. Yes, thank you for having me. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see what you guys have in store. And I can't wait to see the impact that this podcast has on the film community and the creative community. This has been Uptown Films, a podcast that elevates the cinema culture for Uptown New York City. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at uptownfilms underscore pod. Thank you so much for listening and keep making films uptown. And this week you should watch the 1974 horror exploitation film Sugar Hill. Sugar Hill.